Makes sense to me. Because we never grumble about our cars. No, or technological things. Right, Daryl? Daryl just buys the antiques. <laughs> the aged ones, right? Yeah. So... Um, what about grumbling? Let's talk about that today and how when God calls us to be flourishing, he wants us to do the opposite of grumbling. In fact, the uh, word for it today is rejoice. Rejoice. The opposite of grumble or murmur is rejoice. Rejoice. In fact, here's the verse for today. In fact, it's the verse for the next week or two, okay? And I want to just take it phrase by phrase. You'll notice this is uh, verse 16 right here. Two words. You know, it's like Jesus wept. You might want to learn the shortest verse in the Bible. If you've ever said, I can't memorize, this is the verse for you. <laughs> Two words, shortest, you know, rejoice always. Say it with me. Rejoice always. Now, it's 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. That's the verse, 16. What do you got? Rejoice always. Now, you want to learn two today? 16 and 17? Rejoice always, pray continually. Let's do it together. Rejoice always, pray continually. You have learned this morning two whole verses. 1 Thessalonians 5, 15, or 16 and 17. Now, the last one we'll get to, but it's a little longer. And I don't know if you're up to it this morning. Are you up to it? Well, let's at least read it, okay? And you may not memorize it completely, but in, in time you will. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's do them all three. Can we do all three of them? Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now note this real quick here, for this is God's will for you. It's not just the give thanks in all things. I mean, that's the, that's the thing that precedes it right directly, but it's actually all three of those things are the this. The rejoicing always, the praying continually, and the giving thanks in all things are all the this. So if, if you've ever heard somebody say, I just wish I knew God's will for my life, tell them this verse. It's so clear. You know, now it may not be their individual will, his individual will for you directly, but this is God's will for every person. Rejoice, pray, give thanks all circumstances. Wow. For this is God's will for you, Christ Jesus. Now, the Apostle Paul loved to connect these things, to, to, to connect rejoicing, to connect prayer, and to connect giving thanks. He does it multiple times, over and over and over. So we're going to kind of mine this a little bit. Today, all we're going to take, those first two words, <laughs> rejoice always. Preachers like to uh, minimize, pull it down, dig in, and spend time with that. Here's what uh, Philippians 2.14 says. Do all things without murmuring. Is murmuring a fun word? Say the word murmuring with me. Murmuring. You got grumble and murmur. They're, they're kind of twins. 
okay? In this, he says, do all things without murmuring. You know, our culture right now is filled with grumbling, murmuring. And what's the last part? Disputing. In fact, here's the NIV. Do all things without grumbling. That's why we're taking time to do this. We had an elders meeting earlier this week, and we were talking about things. It was like, should we preach about grumbling? Well, it's pretty clear. Rejoice always is the opposite of grumbling or murmuring. Now, this is the apostle Paul. What about the apostle Peter? Well, yeah, he loves to talk about without grumbling too. You got the apostles writing the scriptures, John, John chapter six, you got Peter, the end of all things is near, therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Prayer and thanksgiving tend to go together. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another, how? Without grumbling. Oh, I gotta take that sick lady a meal, doggone it. They're coming over tonight? Man, I got to clean the house? Offer hospitality without. Well, what about, what about Jesus? Did Jesus ever say anything about grumbling? Did Jesus ever say don't? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got uh, John chapter 6. And uh, I'm not sure I've got it up there, but listen to this. Jesus had said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. And they began to murmur and grumble. And Jesus came to him and he said, do not grumble among yourselves. It doesn't get any clearer than that. Do not grumble among yourselves. Wow. Paul, Peter, Jesus, John, they're all telling us the same thing. And yet we live in a culture that is prompting and cultivating grumbling. Been around the planet now 60 years, and I've never seen it like it is today. Have, have, have some of you are a few years ahead of me. Have you seen it as it is today with disputing and grumbling and murmuring as high as we've ever had it before? And yet, God's word tells us how to eliminate how to eliminate. Now, folks, I don't care necessarily what the world does, but God's calling on his church. He's calling on us to be radically different from the world and its grumbling. We ought to be the ones who stand out because we're rejoicing always, because we're in the opposite category of grumblers. The church is the one that God's calling on to stop grumbling. We're the ones that will determine the future of our nation. We're the ones that will determine the future of God's kingdom here on earth. What are we going to do in terms of grumbling? So here's the um, thing I want you to think about. Rejoicing is just like we sang about the last song, Yes, I Will Rejoicing is not about your feelings. Now, in some ways, joy might be more of a feelings-based thing. Oh, I'm just overflowing with joy. It just over, uh, evades me. Rejoicing is a little different. 
Because you can rejoice always, whether you feel joy or not. We, we have this concept in our mind that we can only rejoice and express joy if we're feeling joy. No, 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 no. It's the opposite that is true. When you don't feel joy and you express rejoicing in God, pretty soon the joy will well up as a feeling. But don't wait for the feeling. It's really just like love. When he commands us to love, he doesn't say, I command you to feel love. He commands us to express love, to act with love. The same thing is true when it comes to rejoice. Don't wait for the joyful feeling. Oh, I just got a new, won the lottery. I just got a new car. I just, oh, I feel so joyful because of my circumstances. Those will come, but those will also go. What he commands us is to rejoice when? Always. Under all circumstances. At all times. In season and out of season. He calls on us to... So, you know, really we want to talk about rejoicing replaces grumbling. Rejoicing replaces. Jot that down. It's your first underline, uh, outline un, blank there. So instead of just baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet, you know, the weather, sports, what are we complaining and grumbling about today? Mostly what I hear, we murmur about politics, don't we? We murmur and grumble about medical issues, the pandemic. We murmur and grumble about mandates. Anybody uh, anti-mandator? Oh, don't, don't raise your hands. I'm sorry I did calling for that. Uh, masking, a little murmuring. You ever hear the masking murmur? Say that together, masking murmur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of murmuring about masking, eh? Yeah, masking mandates. How about uh, education? How about parental um, involvement? You know, that's kind of a new one, but uh, yeah, God's called us to, we hear a lot about that. How about transportation? How about gas prices? And you know, We can just go down the line, couldn't we? I could list a hundred things that right now are filling our lives with complaining, filling our lives with grumbling, filling our lives with murmuring. And how do we replace those? How do we take, and, and so many of them, when you talk about politics, we have one of the most amazing and incredible systems that was ever designed. You realize how spoiled we are compared to other countries on the planet? You know, we, 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 we gripe about our medical deal. Well, why isn't it free? <laughs> People come over here and they go, you guys. And we've got our Pakistan missionaries that come over and they go, tell the people how spoiled they are. The pharmaceuticals they've got, the, the health care they've got, it is incredible compared to other places. What if we begin to rejoice with what we've got instead of complain? We are the envy of the world when it comes to health care and food and clothing 
options. Most people around the world would be glad to just have one pair of shoes, and most of the ladies in our congregation have so many shoes they don't know where to store them all. You know? And I'm not putting you down for that. But it is incredible, isn't it? And then what do you hear? The, the grumbling of it is usually, I don't have anything to wear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I've gone to meddling, right? <laughs> we have such remarkable systems and transportation options and availability. You know, just think for a moment. Most countries would die to have the material things out in the bay that we've got waiting to come in. You know, and we're tapping our foot saying, I wonder if it's going to be here for Christmas. You know, the slowdown in the chain, supply chain. You know, what if we turn some of those things around and begin to rejoice instead, rejoice in all things instead of complain? No place on planet Earth has enjoyed the blessings of God that we enjoy. What if we begin to say that? What if we begin to express that? Instead of grumbling, murmuring, and complaining, begin to declare a rejoicing note about the blessing of God that has shadowed this nation for years. We enjoy liberties and freedoms. We pursue opportunities that nobody else has a chance to. That's why our borders are flooded with people wanting to get in. Blessings of God have been following us. Now, it's not perfect. We've got a lot of brokenness in our communities, a lot of brokenness in our world, but that's a worldwide situation. Brokenness is a human situation. We're dealing with it in a different way. Now, I have no illusions. I don't believe that God is an American. <laughs> I don't believe that the star-spangled banner is playing up in heaven or that the, uh, behind the pearly gates is an American flag posted. No, I don't believe that. I never have, never will. The red, white, and blue is not um, the colors of heaven. Thank you, God. We're, it's independent, okay? At the same time, I am so thankful. Most of us have dual citizenship, okay? I have dual earthly citizenship. I am both Canadian and American. I was born in Canada to American parents. So just, we know about that, don't we, Daryl? Yeah, I'm a dually. But you're a dually, you were born, you were born into an earthly kingdom. And some of you, many of you, were born again into a heavenly kingdom. You know, that's the blessing that God has given us, this dual citizenship. Now, if you're not born again, God invites everyone to that. What does that mean? That means you surrender your life, you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you place your trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins, for the eternity that is ahead of you. So you become not just an earthling, but a heavenling. You become not just a part of an earthly kingdom, which we reside in, you become part of an eternal kingdom, 
that we're residing in at the same time. Dual citizenship. Where you focus your attention when it comes to rejoicing. Don't just focus on the earthly kingdom. Don't just focus on the politics of the day. Focus on the eternity that he has in store for all of us. The eternity that he has in store for us supersedes, exceeds, and expands over God's, over the earthly kingdom he has placed us in. You know, we're in a place where lots of change is taking place. They say that uh, complaining and grumbling is often part of the exodus generation. You know the exodus generation? In the book of Exodus, you've got Moses coming and the plagues, the Red Sea, the leading of God's people. And what do you find when the people of God get on their way, when they get almost to the promised land? Grumbling and complaining. In fact, we read it and we go, why would they complain? They've got all their needs met. They've got God directing them with a pillar of fire and smoke. They've got um, manna to eat. They don't even have to worry about cooking or breakfast or dinner or lunch. They've got everything supplied for them. They've got a leader like Moses who's going up and getting God's 10 commandments. Someone who's dealing with God face to face for the first time in history. They've got all of these things. You would think, how could they complain? What is it that they grumble about? Everything. <laughs> this will happen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and bread in the, to the full in the, in the morning. The Lord hears your what? Grumblings. Which you grumble what? Against him. They weren't just grumbling against Moses. I mean, that did happen. Oh, they, they couldn't, you know, support their leader. <laughs> they grumbled against Moses. But he says, and what are we? Your grumblings are not against us, but against the Lord. Now, you might be thinking you're grumbling against a governor. No, 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 no. Don't confuse. <laughs> when you grumble, instead of rejoice always, you're not just grumbling against a governor. You're grumbling against... The Lord. You're not just grumbling against a leader. You're grumbling against God's provision for you in the midst of this world. You follow that? Don't think for a moment that he doesn't know exactly what's going on. Don't think he's blind to that. We are, in many respects, in an Exodus generation. Now, we've not left our land to point to another land, but we are under such a change arena. We under so much dynamic change in the last especially couple of years that we're the same. When, when, when the children of Israel left Egypt, there was no two days that were the same for them. And don't you kind of feel that today? There's so much change. You can go to work, you can't go to work. You got, you know, just radical exodus type of generation. And I think it's caused us to be just like the Israelites, when they grumbled and complained. And they weren't grumbling and complaining just against people. Ultimately, they were complaining against God because God's the one who said, never. Jesus is the one who said, stop 
complaining. Stop your grumbling. Let God, you know, direct us. Rejoicing starts with a decision, and we can each change. Because we're under so much change, we can change and decide to praise God, to rejoice instead of grumble and instead of complaining. Um, you know, with the children of Israel in Egypt, you would conclude that it's not because of the lack of supernatural things. The children of Israel had all kinds of God's workings evident to them. The daily manna, all of these things. Don't conclude that, well, if God was just more evident, we wouldn't grumble so much. No, 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 no. He's evident. We just don't always see it. And even in the midst of that, it's got to be an act of the will. Rejoicing starts with a decision you make. I am going to be a rejoicer. I am going to be a man or a woman of God that finds a way to rejoice always and to pray without ceasing. This is what the uh, apostle said to Timothy. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. <laughs> Notice that one? Un grateful, ungrateful. He's listing that right along with these other sins, to be ungrateful, to be an ingrate, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying it's power. I just rehearsed a bunch of America's blessings, the blessings that we have to be grateful for. What if we turned all the things we grumble about around? Oh, man, I got to get up at 6.30 every morning. Aren't you glad you have a work to go to? Huh? Oh, man, those kids are driving me nuts. Aren't you thankful that you've got kids? <laughs> Can't you turn? I got to do laundry. You've got clothes, for goodness sakes. Most of the world would wish they had clothes to wash. They had two pair of clothes. We start going through the, the list. <laughs> oh, I hate that I have gutters to clean. Yeah, but you've got a house. You've got an apartment. <laughs> oh, that we would turn around our grumbling to praise, to rejoice instead of grumble, every one of those things can be seen in a praise note. Rejoice that you have. Rejoice that it's there instead. Yeah, but I don't have everything I want. Duly noted. You never will. But the rain falls on the just and the unjust, and you are called as God's child, as God's man or God's woman, to rejoice always. To rejoice always whether you've got a little bit or a lot, whether you have nothing or a lot, whether you've got everything or not. He calls on you to rejoice 
always. And to, to pray without cease. To be actively grateful, not actively ungrateful, as we talked about. We don't want to twist the blessings of God into the opposite and uh, claim, what is it, victimhood, you know, or claim entitlement. That's kind of been our mindset, and that's caused us to grumble. We're entitled to things rather than, and, and victims rather than rejoicing. Grumbling is that sin. Now, let me uh, jot this down. Rejoicing as worship. One of those spots you've got to fill in there. J, uh, Caleb read this earlier this morning. We started our worship service with this passage, okay? Listen to this one more time, okay? Rejoicing and worship are inextricably joined. They are remarkably connected, okay? Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with what? Oh, this is when you go, oh, I guess we got to go to church again. It's Sunday morning. Turn on the live stream. Hit mute. <laughs> Where's the cinnamon rolls? <laughs> Where are my slippers? You know, uh, boredom and um, ingratitude <laughs> go together. He says, no, don't worship the Lord that way. Worship the Lord with gladness, with joy, with eagerness and with excitement, with rejoicing. See, rejoicing isn't, it isn't causing, it isn't coming from a place of joy necessarily, but it is allowing the joy. It will pave the way for the joy. You see, rejoicing and coming with shouts of joy <laughs> cause us to worship far more than the song selection Boy, they really picked some good songs today. And they did, but that's not what it's about. Oh, I really like that style. I love it, the way Bill plays that electric guitar. It's not about style. It's about your heart. And when you come to God with a rejoicing heart, with shouts of joy, with praise and gladness of heart, guess what happens? You can't help, you can't stop worship from flowing from you. But your actions lead to the feelings. The feelings don't lead to the actions. Are you following me on that? Yes. That's why he can command it. Rejoice always. Repeat that again. Rejoice always. He could not command that if it was simply a feeling that you felt, because that would come and go. No, keep, keep reading. Before him with joyful what? Songs. Sometimes just coming into his presence and singing songs of joy, you may come into his presence with drag, with doubt, with discouragement. God will replace that. He is the Lord. He is he who made us, not we ourselves. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. By the way, we're going to talk more about thanksgiving as we get closer to thanksgiving. And his courts with what? Praise. Praise and rejoicing are linked together. They're impossible to separate. Praising God for who he is and what he's done and rejoicing are to be connected. Enter his courts with praise, giving thanks and pray to him and praise his name. Now, there might be some times where you just have to worship him for who he is, his name. 
Because you can't find, I mean, there have been times in my life, I'm not given to despair a lot, but there have been times in my life where I couldn't find circumstantial things to be thankful for. But God, his faithfulness, his mercy, his love, just start going through his names, Jehovah Jireh, start going through, bless him and praise his name. You'll find abundant material, (laughs) abundant options for being rejoicing in God. You're not rejoicing just in the situation. You're rejoicing in God in the midst of the situation. Does that make sense? He doesn't say rejoice in because of the circumstance. He says rejoice always in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. One more verse I want to point out here, and I've got it under two, ver- two uh, translations. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and we talked about the two kingdoms, the kingdom of God cannot be shaken, even though our culture is shaking right now, even though the United States of America is under earthquake-type shaking, the kingdom we're in, guess what? It cannot be shaken Let us be thankful and so worship God. And so worship God with reverence and awe. Here's a, I don't have it, I guess. I have another version of that. Here's what it says in the New King James. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us have grace. Where it says, let us be thankful. King James says, let us have grace grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Yeah. The more you think about it, the more you will find to rejoice and worship God with. So let's take one more. Rejoicing as testimony. Now, I said we're going to have some Thanksgiving testimonies in two weeks. Notice Jesus used rejoicing or thanksgiving as a way of giving testimony to God. This is Lazarus. This is when Jesus is at the tomb of one of his best friends. He's there and everybody's mourning. I mean, he had waited, didn't come to heal him from his sickness, but he actually had died. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. He's publicly praying a thanksgiving, rejoicing prayer. And what's he saying? Father, I thank you that you hear me. (laughs) I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. You mean Jesus's public prayer was so that people would hear? Yes. His prayer of thanksgiving was specifically so people would hear. What's he say? (laughs) For the benefit of people that they may believe that you sent me. So then what's he say? Lazarus, come forth. And of course, Lazarus, after four days of being dead in the grave, comes forth. And they're all like, whoa, amazing. Jesus's prayer wasn't just between him and the Father. Jesus's thanksgiving was so people would hear it. It was part of his testimony. Are you catching that? When you rejoice, 
People around you are going to see your attitude. They're going to see your heart. They're going to see your gratitude and thanksgiving. And what does it do? It causes them to want to believe in God. It causes them to want to believe in Christ. If God makes that much difference in you, they're going to say, I want a piece of that. I want some of what you've got. They're going to ask you, can you tell me about this kingdom you're a part of? Can you tell me about resurrection power? Can you tell me about God, take off the grave clothes and let him go? Um, can I meddle for a little bit? This is just kind of new in our culture. You know, there's a recent development in our grumbling. It's kind of a turn of a phrase. On October 2nd, this uh, Talagata, 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 um, Super Speedway, the Xfinity series, Brandon Brown, who was a NASCAR driver, car number 66, was being interviewed. He was being interviewed by Kelly Stavos. And while he was being interviewed, there was some chanting against the president in the background. Most of you heard this, but I'm just kind of explaining it for anybody who might not know this. And she thought that they were saying, let's go, Brandon. What they were really doing was dropping, we call it the F-bomb, Joe Biden. And this whole grandstand, this whole NASCAR group were saying this derogatory phrase against Joe Biden. But she called it out as, listen to this. They're chanting for you. They're saying, let's go, Brandon. So that's become now, in a way, a way to say derogatory phrase, a derogatory phrase about Joe Biden, but without really saying it. I saw it on a church uh, yard sign. Let's go, Brandon. It's kind of a, a way for Christians to be vile without really being vile. Let's go, Brandon. Whole stadiums have been chanting this. The World Series stadium started a chant saying, let's go, Brandon. One dad whose kid was named Brandon, he didn't know how to cheer his kid on when he was playing football. You know, I can't say let's go, Brandon, or they're going to think I'm saying something wrong. You know? Would Jesus be on the side on that bandwagon? I kind of don't think so. I, I think that's a way of grumbling and complaining, a way of murmuring that's kind of creative, it's kind of humorous. At the same time, it doesn't match God's call for us as believers. What does he call for us as believers to do? Ephesians chapter 4. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that may benefit those who listen and do not grieve the Holy Spirit that you were, to whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, I just want to call people to account and say, what if God used us to even reverse something vile like that? What if we just didn't participate and instead 
Do what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I want you to pray for every leader. I want you to bring supplication for your leaders. I want you to honor your leaders even when they're corrupt. What? We have to do that? Well, Paul didn't know Joe Biden. Paul didn't know Donald Trump. Joe Biden didn't know, I mean, um, the Apostle Paul didn't know Bush or Clinton or any of these guys. You know who Paul wrote that under? Caesar Nero. Caesar Nero. Caesar Nero that would take Christians, dip them in boiling wax, boiling oil, place them in his garden and along the streets, light them on fire and say, look, they're the light of the world as he nakedly ran through the town on his chariot. I mean, that's Nero persecuting the Christians. And Paul says, I want you to pray for him. You follow? He could have grumbled. He could have complained, but he didn't. In fact, he inspired us to say, don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Okay? What a challenge for us as Christians believers in our culture today because it's it's kind of cool to be putting people down to be talking politics turn off the news and rejoice in god instead turn off the news and 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 be inspired by god wholesome talk prayer he says i want you to bring prayer and supplication for all the leaders all the kings and governors. Oh, don't get me started on the governors, someone says. You know? What if God were able to use us in a powerful way to say rejoice always? That's exactly what he says. That's what he's saying to us, trying to encourage us. Notice uh, it displaces despair. It's a despair displacer. I know that's a tongue twister. But actually, when you're rejoicing, it takes away despair. It even takes away anxiety. You know, anxiety, that calamity, that illness, that malady that has so taken over our world. Rejoicing is the prescription. (laughs) Rejoicing is the antidote. Come on. It says his speech persuaded them now let's go with uh it replaces the oil of joy takes the mourning and gives us a garment of praise in its place a garment of praise instead of a spirit of mourning in the midst of this pandemic we have a lot of mourning going on. What have we had? We've had between 200 and 250 deaths in this county in the last two years because of COVID, okay? You may think that's a lot. You may think that's not very many. It's about the same as we've had for flu in the last couple of years. We've had 100 people per year that usually die from the flu, and we've had 100 people per year that have died from COVID in Thurston County. A little bit more. We're, we're, we're heading between 200 and 250 in our world. And yet our, our fear has been heightened 
to such a degree that I hear more grumbling than ever before. Never heard this kind of grumbling about the flu, okay? Never heard this kind of grumbling about other illnesses, even though they've been more... I've never heard this kind of grumbling about opioid deaths, even though they surpass, they surpass the deaths of COVID. But I don't hear, what is it? Part of it is we've been gelled up, we've been ginned up, so to speak, to be more fearful than ever before. Maybe rightly so, maybe, maybe wrongly so. But what he's calling on us to do is to take the, 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 the mourning, take our sorrow, and find a way to put the <laughs> garment of praise on the spirit of heaviness. That even in the midst of a pandemic none of us have ever faced before, we find a way to rejoice in God, to rejoice always, to say, yes, it's bad. Yes, we want no part of it. Yes, we want treatment. We want, that. We want whatever we want and need. But to trust God in the midst of it and say, I'm going to put his garment of praise. I'm going to put a garment of praise on that instead of the spirit of despair. What if we just thank God for the health care that we've got? Oh, lost a few friends. I lost a pastor who preached at College Street, now New Horizon. I'm sorrowful about that. At the same time, had lots of people that have had COVID that have been, have come through it, been, so to speak, cured. <laughs> oh, I'm grateful. Are you? Can you find a way to thank God in the midst of it? What if we listed out the good things? Um, another passage here. Rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> now, here's the change. In Thessalonians, it says rejoice always. Okay, now what's this say? Rejoice in the Lord. In the Lord. Oh, a little different there. He didn't say that in Thessalonians, but what a key for us. Remember, we're not just rejoicing to rejoice. We're not just happy to be happy. We're rejoicing what? In the Lord. Key for us. Key for us. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he repeats it. Again, I say. I say it again. I got to tell you one more time. Why does he do that? Emphasis. Whenever there's something's repeated back to back, he wants us to take special note. And again, I say, rejoice. If you missed it in Thessalonians, don't miss it here in Philippians. These brothers and sisters who were also under persecution, like the church in Thessalonica, he says, I say it, rejoice. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, let your mind think on this. Think about such things. Let your mind dwell on things that are praiseworthy. What's praiseworthy? You've got to find in every situation there is the flip side of the coin. What is praiseworthy? He will give you something to focus your attention on. So that way you can cultivate rejoicing, finding the positive 
thoughts that he has for us. It's not just to be positive to be positive. It's rejoicing in God. If you can't find anything else, rejoice in him. So here's the verse one more time. Pray continually. We're going to talk about prayer. Praying purges, grumbling, and thanksgiving terminates grumbling. Give thanks in all circumstances because we want to flourish without grumbling. Folks, God responds to your and my rejoicing. And he's calling us, every person in the room today, every person under the sound of my voice can obey that scripture that says rejoice always. Rejoice always. Let's repeat that one more time. Rejoice always. Let's stand together and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being our Lord and our Savior. Thank you for being our God, our King, our Master, our Shepherd, our Leader. Lord, because of you, because of you in our lives, it radically changes how we respond to life. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would continue to build inside of us the uh, unavoidable and, and magnetic aspect of rejoicing always. Would you cause us to be a people so focused on you that we eagerly anticipate what you're about and what you're doing? We lift you up today. We ask that this would be a week of rejoicing always. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.